perhaps a little bit toxic, but also good. Welcome to another episode of Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens, our podcast where we talk about pop culture and different forms of media and analyze if it's feminist or not. I'm Pate. And I'm Nellie. So this week, since it's just the two of us, we decided to finally tackle one of my favorite rom-coms. Actually, I feel like I say that about every rom-com we watch. <laughs> we pick movies we like. At <laughs> okay, no, but like actually i do love this one so much yeah to all the boys i've loved before specifically the first one that's the one i love the most well yeah we'll talk about the first one primarily i guess um but we're gonna talk about the trilogy as a whole so here are some warnings for possible spoilers as always it's always a risk when you listen to the pod um and i know we have talked about we have like i think maybe back when we did the kissing booth um, mm-hmm. promo for that episode if you're trying to watch <laughs> it might look a lot different than this but um the uh, I know that we had posted on Instagram and asked if folks wanted to see us do to all the boys and there was like an overwhelming yes from all you big big court gestures all of you all of you, all of our all of our fans all of our listeners big um, big fans big big fans but um we thought it it's definitely overdue, but I think it makes sense for us to be talking about it this week since the third movie just came out and we have a lot of thoughts on the third movie. I know we're primarily talking about the first. So for those who don't know, To All the Boys I've Loved Before was originally a young adult novel and it was turned into a Netflix film series that follows a high school girl whose secret love letters have suddenly been mailed out to all her past crushes. The first movie was directed by Susan Johnson, written by Sophia Alvarez, Alvarez and stars Lana Condor, Noah Centineo. People pronounce his name incorrectly a lot, and I apparently did until today. Um, and the original novels were written by Jenny Han, who, fun fact, makes a cameo in all three movies, which I found out that today too, because I went down a wormhole in YouTube and am now obsessed with all of the characters and everything about this movie, even though I have qualms. So I'm excited to dive in. Yay! I'm so excited because I love the first movie. Um, What'd you love about it? So I really thought that it was an interesting adaptation of a young adult novel turned romance film because there are so many it feels like. Like The Kissing Booth is one. Um, The Duff is another. And then you also have like the dystopian like Hunger Games, Twilight, like Perks of Being a Wallflower, you name it. Like, if it was a successful young adult book, there's a movie about it. But this one was the first one that I kind of, like, thought on its own as a movie was just well done. Um, I really enjoyed the cinematography in the first movie. I can't say the the same to the second. Yes, the aesthetics are uh, insane. And the lighting is great. Um, the outfits that Lauren Jean has obsessed their whole their whole chemistry the family dynamic was spot on and I was like oh my gosh this movie just makes me feel like so warm and happy inside and it's not even because of the romance 
Um, it's such a comfort movie for sure. Yes. Like I was thinking, I was like, I rewatched all three in the last 24 hours to prepare for this. And genuinely, I was like, I need to watch these more often because they give me like, they make me feel warm and fuzzy. And again, like you said, not just because of the romance, it's like the aesthetic is comforting. Mm-hmm. It's warm. Like, I don't feel like the second and third movie did that for me as much like it was still there and and it was nice and there were aspects in the second and third movie that I thought were important but I think the first movie is just uncomparable and incomparable incomparable I think so (laughs) you've been out of school for almost a year now y'all so (laughs) um but Bad. yeah, it. I just I really love the first one a lot more than the second and third. <laughs> Not to be a hater, but I also think that's because the first movie was directed by someone different than the second and third movie's director. So the first one was directed by a woman. The first one was directed by a woman. The second and third were directed by a man. No shade to Michael Wood, whatever your last name is. I mean, a little shade. You a did? little shade. Yeah, he didn't. Okay, he didn't write it though. To be fair, but okay, but I like, think we have qualms with the storyline. But I agree that the aesthetics in the first one are better. And like, we, what happened to Susan Johnson? Where'd you go? <laughs> yeah, music was also better in the first one. Mm, I've said it. What, like, why did you like the first one more? If you did, or do um, you not have a favorite? Yeah, I think my favorites definitely go like one, two, three. But I really, I, I think I deep down do like all of them. Like I would say I like them all more than I dislike them, even though I like the first one the most. I don't know. I think it's actually so interesting that we're talking about this after talking about um, some kind of early, late 90s, early 2000s rom-coms, because I actually think we have a lot to compare between this movie or this trilogy and Mean Girls and 10 Things I Hate About You. So I actually am really excited that that ended up being the case because um, the, like, I think we can unpack some of these these common character tropes of teenage rom-coms, talk a little bit about just like female relationships, female friendships, um, father-daughter relationships, um, sisters like I just think that there there's a lot that we can talk about in relation to our last two episodes so um, I'm excited about that because this is obviously a very recent movie um, the first one came out in 2018 and then 2020 and then just like last week 2021 so um, I think I'm excited to think about that alongside um, the two previous movies we've talked about the thing I liked most I don't know. I I think that Lara Jean is a is a character. Um, while like her trope is definitely the kind of trope of a innocent and maybe a little bit quirky kind of ma- main character who is then pull like who is who then is interested in like the popular jock. Um, kind of is hated by this popular mean girl like that that trope dynamic is very common but I do think that like Lara Jean being um, an introvert like main character like rom-com is kind of new and different I think and also just like the things that she values 
um, while she does like want to be in a relationship and values romance, I also think that like that's not the only thing she values. And to me, I, I really appreciated that representation as well as obviously like um, the the Korean representation in the movie as well as just kind of broader Asian representation um, in a teenage rom-com. Um, this was kind of the first of, of its kind. And I just... No, I, I I related a lot to Lara Jean um, and I which is why like there were times where she's just like so cringe that I was like oh my gosh this is something I would do and that's what why. is cringe about her I thought everything about her was so cute and endearing like love the messy room I, I understand it. reading romance books um her the fact that she loves baking and hanging out with her sister on a Friday night I love but, that. like I love that. And she was so comfortable with that. And, you know, I feel like oftentimes you see the quirky girl being like, "Ugh, can't believe I'm so lame sitting at home on Friday night. But like in reality, da- Dash and Lily. Was- that's Lily. Lily from Dash and Lily. Ooh, Just saying. Tea. She was like, I'm weird because I'm weird. Is that why you don't like me? And I'm okay, like, Jughead. Okay. <laughs> you see this hat? This is a weird hat. <laughs> I, I hate Riverdale. <laughs> oh my gosh. Laura Jean, I feel like the things that I find cringe about her are just like how uh, that I relate to uh, that I or I would have related to if I had seen this movie as as a young adult or a teenager is that she falls so head over heels in love with someone when she has a like intense like an all-consuming crush. Oh yeah. And I do think the all-consuming crush thing I just saw it represented in a way that I don't know is different from the ways that it's represented and maybe other like it's like you definitely see that all consuming this but I do think it's in a way where we can both be like oh god that's cringe because like been there but then also you empathize so strongly with her and I honestly think that that in particular along with like the aesthetics and like just like how wonderful this movie is and how entertaining it is I do think that like that component just for how like deeply she falls head over heels for someone when she has a crush on them is so relatable to a an audience particularly female audience but I think anyone and I do I don't know I related to that I mean I won't keep this well no I can't say (laughs) I just like definitely did my brother do be editing this so (laughs) but I I just like did I don't know just like like her journaling and things like that like I've recently found old journals that I had it's so cringe but like it's an important I think way of getting to know yourself and your interests whether you're journaling about a person or just like your own like your growth and your coming of age I don't know I related a lot to that those elements of her I never wrote love letters but I did like journal in a very a way that I I just don't think journals are meant to be reread at this point that's my opinion I can't look at them oh, keep I, them because they're I feel like they're coveted possessions but I will simply not be rereading them they are so embarrassing I like wrote low-key love letters but it was more <laughs> like when I was sad I would just like write my feelings down and like yeah. direct it to the person that I was sad about but this was like about an ex-boyfriend and I was in high school. I was like 16 or 17 when I wrote them and they were so embarrassing. So I ripped them up and threw them away a while ago because that for me, that was growth for me being like, 
Yeah. I have moved on so far from this. I don't even want this in my bookshelf because it's embarrassing at this point. Yeah. So, and you know what? We all do whatever we do. Laura Jean (laughs) kept the letters and put them in an envelope and addressed them, which I think is kind of like, mm, not like victim blaming, but like, why Why did you address and stamp them? (laughs) No, I think Kitty stamped them. I'm pretty sure Laura Jean had them stamped, but like we all know Laura Jean had their addresses on them, which like that's what made them like that's what made the story a story. I don't know that that part's realistic. I mean, maybe she's so extreme and so like head over heels that she wants that that. fantasy so much. She wants it written. She wants Mm. the she wants the address. Like she wants to imagine these were sent. I think yeah but as close to does not want possible does not want them sent at all like actively does not want that to happen but something else I loved is like I always find myself like I am such romantic I love when there's a happy ending (laughs) well like that's that's kind of funny because like I love obviously dark stories I talk about that all the time so if it's not a dark story I want it to be a happy ending and if it's like a love story I want the couple to end up together and like that was kind of problematic of me in our little women episode I was like rooting so hard for Joe to end up with the professor that I kind of missed the whole point which is like you mean marriage no I wanted Joe to end up with the professor Um, and yeah like in real life not in like the story um and I was so focused on that I like missed the whole part where like it's supposed to be empowering Joe doesn't want to end up in marriage right and And they tell it they tell the real story right they tell the real story but in my head I was still trying to be like no she must end up with this super hot French professor because like I'm a romantic um and so like I can like empathize with Laura Jean in that point like growing up reading all these like romance novels and even non-romance novels romance romance was always in there um and then just being like a writer and a reader like you kind of write your story in your head yeah yeah and so like I guess it's like not like a battle between being a feminist and being a romantic because you can obviously be both Mm -hmm. but it's like being able to have that nice like you know being able to realize like oh well even though I love romance movies, like sometimes we need to step away and realize that women are more than just romantic partners and there's more to life than just um, romance. Yeah. And I do think that this movie does a good job of painting Lara Jean as a whole character. Like I think we get to know her interests. We get to know um, her family dynamic um, in a really authentic and healthy way. And also like her hardships beyond beyond boys um and also like just navigating like something I love that this movie does um is that it really emphasizes the power of communication like I think about the fact that and actually I think the whole trilogy does a good job of doing this which is something that I don't think is common in rom-coms like I think about in the first movie when again spoiler alert I'm about to talk about all three but in the first movie, like, she really does, she avoids it for a while in the true kind of, like, I don't know, human, but also specifically teenage fashion. She avoids the conflict with Josh, who is her childhood friend, her older sister's ex-boyfriend, who she is hopelessly in love with, writes a love letter to, he gets it. She pretends to be in a relationship with Peter, so that, that's his name, yeah, Peter, 
Peter so that he, so that Josh doesn't actually think that she like loves him. But then like eventually she and Josh like sit down and have a conversation. And he's like, hey, like you're my friend first. Like, why aren't we talking about this? And then they really like break it down and they're good in the end. Same thing with her sisters. Like they really talk things out. Um, you then see this over the course of the trilogy with her, her relationship with Jen, who's her, like her ex-best friend, the kind of um, the mean girl trope that's represented through her, but then the character arc that we see. I love that character arc. Resolving conflict. Absolutely. One thing I, um, there are so many Easter eggs in the, th- in the third film. And one of them is, I'm about to give one away skip i don't know 15 seconds or something if you (laughs) skip ahead a couple times if you haven't seen the third movie yet but um you know how in the first movie she jen is like oh i hate your shoes like when laura jean's wearing like heeled combat boots Uh and then in the third movie when laura jean's like like asking jen to she's going to confide in jen about nyu and she's like she stops Jen in the hallway and the first thing Jen says is like oh my god I love your shoes she's wearing like these cute heeled sandals and they're standing in the same place oh Jay no yes I watched this in a video shout out to Netflix and Netflix made this video of all these little easter eggs you can look it up it's on the internet I Um, finished the third movie last night and I was like why did they just show us her sandals? I mean, like, the shoes were cute. I was kind of like, is this product placement? But then when I watched the thing, I was like, oh, my God, that's why they did that. There are... Significant symbols. Yeah. yeah. And I think... Character arc. I love seeing the growth of that relationship. I love seeing that, like, I think... I wish I had seen, I really, really wish I had seen this movie at like 12 or 13. I wish that it was like my favorite movie back then. I wish it was the only rom-com that I really liked back then because ultimately I think I burned like a couple bridges of friendships, like not anything extreme, but like, I I think I would have been more active in trying to resolve some conflicts that could have totally been resolved. And I was, but the problem is I don't really think in rom-coms, which is like, I just don't think that we have that representation, really. I mean, I don't know. Can you think of other movies that do that? Like, you see, there definitely are. There totally are. I mean, but it's I in like- ways where it's like Mean Girls, and they're like, oh, the, like the only way to resolve a conflict is through this big, this big traumatic thing, or like a I feel like gesture. it's not as common for like the girls to be friends and the girl to still date the guy. Like sometimes, like I feel like right. it's. They dump the guy. It has to be like John Tucker must die. And they're like, great movie though. Great movie. We should talk about it. (laughs) Such a good movie. But like, uh, yeah, no, I just was like, oh my gosh, it took some time. It took all three movies for them to really be okay. Like it took. You think there were roommates in the third? I kind of hope they're not because I want them to meet other people, but I hope they're really good friends. Yeah. But I feel like if they move from Oregon to NYU, they need like to room together freshman year. I don't That's know. I thought. moved from Massachusetts to Tennessee and had no one. And I, um, I moved from Birmingham to Tennessee, which is not that long, but I also had no one. That's a lie. I know, I but like, friend. you don't need, that's what I'm saying. You don't need someone to move across the country. This is like, I don't know, PSA. If you are thinking about college, don't let anyone affect your decision except for yourself. Mm-hmm. But I, um, I mean, I hope that, I, I got the sense that they were definitely going to be pals. I don't know if they're roommates. That would be cute, though. I, I kind of hope cute. not, though, because I feel like they wouldn't live well together. <laughs> okay, Nellie. 
but that's just me like being negative <laughs> let's let's um we don't have of course we're just free balling and we don't have too many questions but I know we want to just talk a little bit more specifically about Peter and Largine's relationship so mm-hmm. what do you think about it do you think it's healthy? Do you think it's good representation for young people to be watching? Do you think it's, I don't know, realistic? Yeah. All these questions. Um, so I was just, I've seen the first one so many times, so I didn't necessarily, I rewatched the first half of it for mm-hmm. this podcast, but I finished the third movie for this podcast in preparation. So like the first movie, there were just like cute little things that he would say. And I was like, oh, cute. But then of course he would be like a douchebag and be like, like when he was like, I'll write you love letter or little love notes. And Laura Jean's like, oh, you would do that? <laughs> and his response is, yeah, Jen always wanted me to. <laughs> and this will make her mad. And I was like, oh, there, there's the teenage there boy. Go. Yeah. Um, but Motivated. then like, you know, specifically going to the third movie, because it's fresh on my mind. I know like there was some problems in the second movie, like Jen's parents were going through a divorce and she was confiding in Peter and Peter was keeping it from Laura Jean and that was unhealthy and that could have just been resolved with communication. Keeping her budding romance and sending a love letter to John Ambrose. So she was also keeping shit from him. Yes. And communication would have uh, resolved all of that. Right. And they seemingly were great at communicating in the first movie, but they in the second movie, they had some struggles. But the third movie, like, I will always advocate for people to go to different colleges than their boyfriend and girlfriend, period. Unless you both truly want to go to the same college and not for each other. Right. Um, Like, I I would never suggest that a person go to college for a relationship. Um, And so, you know, but like Nellie and I have both been in the boat where like you either have to do the long distance or break up. Mm-hmm. um when going to college and you know I broke up with my boyfriend in high school and like I mean we it was a short fling um but we <laughs> <laughs> love him love you Mason um we broke up but like because of that we're now still good friends to this day right. and so that's why like w- when watching this movie I feel like anyone like almost everyone can relate to that yeah Actually, I don't know Unless I don't know that everyone friend. can but if you've been in that yeah. situation I think you can definitely relate to the kind of dilemma that comes with it and also the ex- the expectations and the pressures I remember um I was like in a relationship that had been like through kind of senior year of high school and I remember like when it started being like okay well this won't last through college so like this is going to be a year-long relationship it's just going to be for senior year like I had that mentality and then like when it came time to go to college like I wanted the relationship to run its course a little bit more <laughs> like I just was like I don't think that like I definitely did relate to Laura Jean I think now that I'm on the other side of that experience um perhaps I feel a little bit differently but like I don't know that I would necessarily do anything differently um I do think that like it's interesting that this is where the movie ends. I don't think there would be any way to have a fourth movie where it wouldn't be messy and bad, mm-hmm. to be honest, yeah. just because like that shit is hard. It's really fucking hard. And I'm glad that she didn't go to Berkeley um, oh, because they would have just been like spending every single weekend together. And I am glad I do think like, if you're going to try long distance, it's actually better to do it at a really long distance because in, co- in the case of college I think like if you're an adult and doing long distance like that's probably not ideal but 
if you're in the case of college, like I, I think the only way you're going to even attempt to immerse yourself in the place is if you're not feeling, you don't really have an option to leave every mm-hmm. weekend. Um, I also, I still think it's really hard to immerse yourself in a place if your heart and your mind is constantly thinking about someone else in another place. Um, it's just very hard. So I like felt for her, but I also was like frustrated with how glorified the situation was, especially when you mentioned this, when you were watching, rewatching the first bit of the first movie, in the first movie, she talks about um, Margo's like mom said to never go to college with a boyfriend. And I just thought it was interesting. I mean, obviously we see the conflict that comes with that, like any kind of transition in a relationship, whether it means like the breakup right then and there or having to deal with long distance is hard. Like either of them are really mm-hmm. hard. And I, I don't know, I just found it interesting that we saw both of those scenarios um, but to me, it's pretty clear which one ended up being easier. Um, yeah. At least as someone who has been through that experience. Well, something I thought was really interesting, like, even though I feel so strongly about them, about Laura Jean, like, doing her own thing, um, and I was, like, kind of expecting, I don't know what I, actually, I don't know what I was expecting Peter's response to be. While I, you know, wasn't happy with the fact that it seemed like his his prerogative was most important because it was like he's going to Stanford to play lacrosse and Laura Jean is going to apply as well not Laura Jean wants to go to Stanford but like when she broke the news to him and like he was very upset I felt that he did a great job portraying like the fact that he was upset but was also trying to be supportive at first when they're in the Jeep talking about it. I was able to empathize with him. No, I empathized with both of them in that moment. And I was actually really surprised that that was his reaction. I just think in a typical rom-com, you would have seen this like blow up and they wouldn't have been talking to each other for a little while. Um, Obviously we see the struggle that they're anticipating going like further down the line, but yeah, I agree. I was like, impressed with that representation of kind of dialogue and mm-hmm. um, and kind of what should be the the response yeah that's what a healthy like I mean obviously there are things about this relationship that I do think are unhealthy I think overall it's a pretty but I I just think like your first relationship is hard to like there are just things that inevitably like are going to be a little unhealthy like not not that I'm ever condoning like there are things that are not okay and they're red flags. Well, but, it's like, just the fact that there's, there's no such thing as a perfect relationship. Well, and you're just navigating it for the first time. You don't know what you're like. Hmm. You don't know how to how to do that. Like I I think that they they're very dependent on each other. So I was like, yeah, good yes, luck being in yes. different places. Like that'll be tough. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, I I do think that like I was reading an article by it is by feminism in India. Um, the author is Jayoti Chowdhury. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, but this article or this, I don't know, um, opinion piece (laughs) talks about the amount of mansplaining that Peter Kavinsky does, which I don't really notice. And I think that kind of plays back into the trope, the tropes that are going on here. I think that like he is a popular 
jock who has been in a lot of like or at least been in one long-term relationship that we know of but like seems to be kind of a womanizer like everyone's like in love with him whether he actually is that's like what we know of him but then he really does kind of say to her like this is what it means this is what boyfriends and girlfriends are supposed to do like I do think he kind of talks down to her a little bit and again like this isn't his first relationship but this is hers and like I think she also does her like her fair share of talking down to him in in different ways perhaps but I think that that mansplaining component was was there I I didn't catch it to be honest but then when I was reading about it I was like okay yeah like that it's definitely a component. I don't know if this article was really digging, digging into him maybe more than they probably needed to, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. What do your, what, what else do you think about, do you have anything else to add on about their relationship or just the dynamic there? Mm, I thought, I don't know. I think your point about being codependent is so valid. And I picked up on that a lot in the third film. I don't know. I Which just is tough because like I just feel like we know we see Lara Jean's individuality, especially in the first movie, so much. And I do think that, like, I don't know, it's hard because I, I guess that's, like, part of being a relationship. You, like, give part of yourself to someone and also take part of them. Like, I just think that's, like... Well, actually, kind of, like, as a response to that, I want to quote the um, the thing that you sent me in t- the text. Yeah um yeah and that's from let me just cite that that's from from, bitch media um mm -hmm. which is to all the double standards we've seen before that's the name of the article and it's by laura siri cool this was written after this was written in 2018 so it was after the first movie came out just for the record this is not it's after the first movie but i think it also relates to the third movie when Mm -hmm. spoiler they break up after prom and but then Peter asks for her back and they communicate. We love to see it um, and plan for the future. Um, so she says, Laura Jean doesn't wait for Kavinsky to come crawling back to her. Instead, she drives her own chariot, as scary as it is, to win back the boy she loves. She doesn't need a savior. She saves herself. Instead of being a supporting character who progresses the white protagonist storyline, or being the token Asian character, Condor gets to be the romantic lead in a movie where stereotypes are dispelled. Isn't that a win worth celebrating, no matter who Laura Jean ends up dating? And that yeah. was kind of a response to the to the critique that there are no Asian or Asian American love interest men in this story, men love interests in this story. Right. And so that was her response to that. So yeah, I think that kind of goes back to the idea of like Lord Jean's character throughout the movies I think stays the same in that aspect where she is still very self-sufficient and, and self- strong-willed which is good strong-willed yeah like when they broke up in the third movie and Peter was like should I come to the wedding and at first she's like yes but then she's like if we're broken up it would be better if you didn't and she doesn't run after him because she didn't do anything wrong. Like she yeah. just and she deserves to, the... to enjoy her father's wedding. Yeah, she, and she also deserves. Sad, but she doesn't need to have her ex boyfriend there. And if they're not together, even if she wants him there, ultimately, I think she makes the right call. Sorry. Yeah, and she was the you. one who was like, "I want to stay together." And Peter was the one that was like, "No, you don't." 
and he's the one that chickened out and ran away and she also deserves to go to whichever college she wants and for Peter right. and to like put in the same amount of effort that she was going to well and it was funny because I so as we know my like two best friends from home have both already been on this podcast Kayla and Julie and I was texting them as I was starting because they had both already watched it and I was like y'all were doing this is the third movie that we're talking about I was like we're doing to all the boys on the pod if you have thoughts let me know but also I'm watching the third movie right now um would love to know your thoughts specifically on that and they were like oh I hate the ending and I was really like because they said that I was like okay prepared to not like the ending and then I really was thinking that she was going to end up like in the last minute changing her mind and going to like somehow getting off the wait list to Stanford or going to Berkeley. And I was so glad, which is funny because this, this affected my expectations, but probably in a positive way, actually, that they like said, you're not going to like the ending. Um, and like, yeah, I, I just don't see like a rom-com scenario, I guess, unless she, unless she just like, I guess, finds this new love for herself and her independence and breaks up with her boyfriend. Like, but I just don't really see a, a good wrap-up for the trilogy and the rom-com like itself like the trilogy itself if they broke up so I get that that's why the outcome that's why that's what the outcome is that they stay together but I am so glad like you said that she she makes the decision for herself to go to NYU um okay Nellie yeah I know you want to pop off about the dad and I I'm just setting you up for that okay I got thoughts. I totally forgot that they were both OBGYNs until you texted me. And I just love Laura Jean's dad. He is a king. Yeah. So when you're saying both OBGYNs, what we were talking about is, (laughs) this is funny. (laughs) Um, Y'all might know because I referenced earlier how I want to talk about Mean Girls and um 10 things i hate about you and if you remember in 10 things i hate about you it's also i mean in this case it's two sisters and there uh the dad is an OBGYN but in that movie if you remember if you listen to our conversation we talk a little bit about how like he really approaches this from like a fear-mongering like stance where he's like you'll get pregnant it's like it's like mean girls you've kept pregnant and you'll die <laughs> kind of deal it's like don't get pregnant here's like all of these scary things that happen to teen pregnancies and then we see the dream scenario with um with the dad I can't remember his name the dad Aiden Aiden from his name's I think is it Jack I don't know it does it simply does not matter the dad into all the boys he they're about to go to that like ski trip which I'm kind of like what's going on with the ski trip on this would simply not happen same with the New York trip Um, I was just um the fact that they go skiing and then the fact that they (laughs) go to New York yeah I'm just like wow okay this Maybe this is what happens now. I mean, what it's, is up with this high school? Since we've been out of out of high school, but like maybe things have changed. Maybe that's what's happening. Maybe since it's Portland, they're like, <laughs> they're like we believe our students do the best when they also have fun. So we're going yeah. skiing, and probably they're like, okay, well, they're gonna find a way to have sex anyway, so we might as well just make it safe. <laughs> I don't know. So we didn't um, have sex. No, they didn't. But um, but that's the whole thing is people do. Oh, I'm meaning the scenario. Anyway, okay. okay so okay. before she goes on the trip, her dad is basically like, "We need to talk about safe sex." 
or we need to talk about like your like sexual health. I don't know exactly how he says it, but he basically is like giving her the stats. He's giving her the information. He is saying that like this percentage, like the most, most teen pregnancies are because of like abstinence only education, which is what the dad in 10 things I hate about you. That's how he approaches it. He's basically like, don't have sex. And then the dad in to all the boys I left before says like, if you're going to have sex, I just want to make sure you do it in a safe and healthy way. And um, gives her a bag of condoms. Um, and it's really like, you should feel like you can come and talk to me about this if you need to, which is like a big deal for a dad to say, but especially the fact that like, he's an OBGYN. He's like, I have the tools to like, I have the knowledge to help you. Like I will help you, which also is a big deal because, oh, his name is Daniel. Thank you, Pate. Which is also a big deal because she can't, confide in her mom about this um so I just was really grateful I was literally like oh my god thank god we get we get some real representation of what this is supposed to look like some healthy communication between a father and a daughter I also just love him I also think um thinking about this is a little bit on a different note but thinking about sister sister dynamics I don't have a sister so it's hard for me to speak on this but just sibling dynamics in general I like that we get a balance of conflict between siblings while also just like not not complete like rivalry and hatred I just think it's healthy to like show flawed relationships between imperfect relationships between siblings but like ultimately like care for one another I just was grateful for that I also because I think that's really different from 10 things I hate about you I mean ultimately they do end up being like friends in the end but I liked the the dynamic of all the sisters I yeah how they their were. their sistership their sistership so was cute. so cute and I also don't have sisters we are brother girls over we here are brother girls over here but like my cousins it's three girls and while they have imperfect relationships they also like love each other so deeply and I think it can be a really beautiful thing when three sisters like love each other that much and just are like not only sisters but best friends. Also, um, Kitty is the absolute queen of this film. Feminist. Um, you saw her feminist, feminist necklace. Her little feminist necklace that makes it through all three movies. Mm-hmm. She is like queen. She's queen. I love that she has. She's. I just love her, and I love like the conversations between like her and her dad about like the menstrual menstrual cycle in the first movie i love her Her inner goddess her inner goddess and then him being like this is science and she's like okay dad whatever but like i like like, that okay white man i'm like (laughs) shout out to a man saying that this is science i appreciate that and i also appreciate this 11 year old girl being in touch with her inner goddess (laughs) i was just like all of this i'm happy about even though it's portrayed as like a little like tiff it's not actually but it's just a cute little banter Um, they have such good banter in the first movie what went wrong well, they still have good banter, but um, no, like Kitty never. Last Kitty night, never goes bad. Yeah, but like when I was watching the third movie, it just everything felt so forced, and like I just didn't see the chemistry between Peter and Laura Jean. Laura Jean. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you still see it? 
I didn't see it as much, I will be honest. I also was like wanting the movie to end, which made me realize I didn't like it that much. Like I just was like, is this still happening? Like I okay, was well, like, how am I still watching this movie? It was also an hour and 55 minutes. Right, which is That's too why long. Yeah, well, I kept being where... like, oh my God, there's another hour left in this movie. And the other movies, I don't feel that way. In the first movie, I was like, oh my God, it's already over. Which the first again, movie goes by so fast. Just goes to show like the growth of a franchise. They know they can make a longer movie. Like that's a whole other thing. But I, yeah, I remember the first one. The first one and the second one, I feel like go by pretty fast. And then the third one, I was like, oh my God, there are just too many things happening. And I needed, but also nothing at all. I'm so bored. But I don't know. It it's fine. I still will probably watch all three in a row multiple times going forward. But I, yeah, I love Kitty. I think that she is another example of something that like I would have liked to see in terms of just like a young feminist, a young, these just like strong-willed, um, independent, self-assured, even though they have their insecurity, like in the case of Largine, like has her own insecurities, has their hardships. Like, I just think th- this representation of experience and also obviously representation of Korean family or Korean American family, I was like overall just happy to see. And I wish, I wish, I wish I could have experienced this as a younger person, um, as like a preteen, that would have been kind of cool. But, um, but yeah. Oh, also, one more thing I wanted to name before we dive into our final question, I guess, because I think we're, we're getting there. While we were on the topic of sexuality, and um, one thing I loved, which I don't remember which movie this was in, maybe the third one, the second one? I don't know. There's a scene. No, I think it is the second one. I think you're right, because they're in Woodshop. Chris and Lara Jean are in Woodshop. The boy, I don't know what's his name, Taylor? I don't know what his name was. The boy that Chris has like a like kind of a little thing going on with this little side like romance that the side timeline plot that we maybe are not paying as much attention to, but but Chris is like talking to Largine about like just being ready for her first time having sex. And she said, You should like know yourself before you before you have sex. And it's just insinuating. Um, female pleasure the female orgasm female masturbating um which i it is not common in teen rom-coms and i appreciated that representation as well representation of the female orgasm and like knowing your body yeah i just wanted to name that because i feel like we'd be um remiss if we don't name that representation as well got any other thoughts sex no i'm kidding Um, no i don't think so I felt a little uncomfy in the third movie when they did the deed. Because I'm like, I feel like y'all are babies, you know? They're, like, really our age, but yeah. Well, the actors, the actors, the actors are, are legit our age. Our age but they are little high school babies. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure they are actually 18, though, because they're going to college. Yeah. But I just was like, hmm, these little BBs that I've watched growing up are doing something I, I kind of like that we didn't see that intimacy until the third movie. Again, oh, that's probably yeah. true to the book or whatever, but I appreciated that we didn't see that till then. Yeah. Not that there would have been an issue if they had hopped into bed right away. I want oh. to name. Yeah. Like, as long as there's, it's consensual and you feel empowered to do so and not pressured, that's fine. 
but I appreciated seeing like the maturity and kind of the I don't know like recognizing that that's a heavy thing like I appreciate yeah. that yeah 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 <laughs> okay ready okay I don't know my answer to this question I'm not gonna lie um, do you know yours we have to yeah, ask it first. I do okay should no, I you- ask it with the acronym no, I don't <laughs> like acronyms. I only like typing acronyms. Yeah. So, do we think, to all the boys I've loved before, it's a feminist movie slash trilogy? Do you want me to answer first? Or do you want to just go off? I don't know that I, I don't know that I feel confident in my answer. So I would actually love to hear your thoughts because, I don't know, I could be swayed. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Mm. I do think it's a feminist movie because of a few things. Um, I think the representation of female friendships in the sisters is an important one and how they uplift each other. I think the arc of female friendships throughout the three movies showcase is really positive and shows like you should not allow a boy to ruin a friendship. I think while imperfect and unhealthy at times ultimately Peter and Laura Jean have a healthy relationship and that's like a good representation for a potential young audience because I do think the audience while it is viewed by young adults it's also well (laughs) it is a young adult book but young adult technically means like a teenager um and then ultimately I just think the character of Laura Jean is such a good one and like I said in the beginning I think the fact that she is so confident and like knows herself so well, even just when she was a junior in high school, I think that's really empowering. And it's a good reminder. Like she wasn't trying to be a cool girl and do like, I'm not like other girls I bake, or she wasn't like trying to be a popular girl. I think she was just like, she really liked reading and she really liked writing and baking and being with her family. And yet she's like beautiful and she's kind and she gets the boy in the end. And while that shouldn't necessarily be like something to always root for, I think for a romantic comedy, well, it's not even a comedy, for a romantic movie, like I think she's a great protagonist and I think her confidence and I think that she is a feminist. I think Laura Jean's a feminist, um, even if she doesn't outright say it to my knowledge. Um, So I would say, yeah, it's a feminist film. It's not like, I wouldn't say it's like a great film to watch that would turn you into a feminist. But I think if you are a feminist or if you're an empowered woman, it'll make you feel good about yourself and it'll make you appreciate a a healthy relationship all while like having fun and watching a romantic movie. Because like I said, I'm a sucker for romance. And while I still have to you know, keep myself accountable and realizing like romance is not the most important thing. It's still fun to watch. And I don't think that's like a bad thing to enjoy. Yeah, I honestly completely agree with you. I I think it's feminist. I think it's intersectionally feminist. I think that I agree with what you, I really resonate with what you just said, especially about it with regard to romance, because I think something that I'm often critical on the pod about is relationship romantic relationships being the priority whether that is um in dating in marriage whatnot 
And I do think that like, it is, it's important. Like it is very important. And I think just making sure that we have a good representation of it, good examples. Um, Even if like, not to say like perfect examples, like I'm not looking for that, but I think um, growth uh, while still like flawed and, and messy relationships, ones that like prioritize communication and don't necessarily don't expect a woman in particular, but I, anyone involved in the relationship to, to change who they are at their core. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, I, yeah, I mean, I think like, obviously I do really love like mushigashi like romance movies. I actually think I might like, I would go as far to say that I like that sort of TV and movie more than you do. And I, but I'm probably more critical of it than you might be. <laughs> like, I just think like, I'll, I'll go to the extremes. Um, but I do think that like, ultimately it is what I love and we want good representation of it. And I think that this movie does a good job of, of navigating all sorts of relationships, whether it's familial or romantic or friendship. So yeah, and I, yeah, I would say it's feminist. I think, um, not like thrilled with the end, but I don't really know how they would do it differently. And I think it was like the best possible end for, while still fitting the rom-com mold. Um, I, I like the ending and like, I I would be super interested to see if there's a fourth movie, you know, I, there's not a fourth book. So I'm not sure if they would do. I don't think there, I don't think there will be. They kind of had, I was watching, like I said, I went into a YouTube wormhole and they were kind of like, they had a lot of kind of like goodbye type videos. Like this is it kind of videos. So um, like interviews and, and like fun games that they played that were like their first and last of the movies so I mean I would watch a fourth one like I they could keep making these movies for a while and I would watch them for a while but I think this is it unfortunately but hopefully we can watch them forever on Netflix so yeah I mean this is just to say if you're listening out there and you have thoughts like I know we always say this but like hit us up like we genuinely love love seeing y'all's thoughts I love when y'all DM us and pop off. Um, pop off. Please do. Like, do it. Yeah. Rants are welcome because they're not rants. They are popping off. And passionate, passionate ideas. Ideas and thoughts that are so valid. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know that we have a quote. I like, you can be mad at someone and still miss them. I think that's cute. I remember thinking that I liked that when it happened. Yes, but when did she say that? When she first goes to Peter's house for dinner and they're talking about how his dad left and Mm -hmm. how he sometimes misses misses him, but then he gets so angry that he left that he doesn't miss him anymore. And she says... That was also a very interesting part that they added in the third movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, like, not not mature, but it was, like, heavy hitting. And, like, when he orders really... the coffee, too. Oh, so cute. I know. And I just think that's, like, a beautiful little representation about, like, grace and forgiveness and, like, making first little steps. Yeah. And, like, Peter really was being, like, the bigger person there by forgiving his father. Well, really and this sweet. goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like, I do think that in rom-coms especially when they aren't they don't have sequels like this but even even when they do like 
I, I do feel like we have the representation we have of conflicts is that you just like burn the bridge and then like you're done with that mm. person. And I feel yeah. like in this, this, this trilogy does a good job of being like, okay, here's a conflict. Like you, have, if you have a conflict that like you have to, you don't have to, but you have the option to like confront that conflict and like work through it. I, 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 I just think this is another example of how it, it ties that up a little bit and it doesn't leave us hanging in terms of that plot line. So you can be mad at someone and still miss them. And I just think that's so a great wise. example of how wise Lorjean is, her character, and why we love her. A queen. Yeah. yeah. With great outfits. And even though Peter is using her, even though he does actually deep down like her, is using her for She's also using him. She's also using him, but they also care about each other. Wow. Yeah. Perhaps a little bit toxic, but also good. <laughs> <laughs> that should be like the novel of my memoir. <laughs> a little bit toxic. I'm a little bit toxic. I'm a little bit la 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 la. I, I was like waiting that. for you to say that. <laughs> I'm a little bit Lexus. Um, Drew my Lambo. I'm a Hollywood star. Okay. So uh, just real quick. I don't know. Just like hold this part of, I mean, the whole country, but also this particular issue in our hearts right now and give you some, res- give y'all some resources to get involved and contribute um obviously right now there are we're recording this on thursday but there are still rolling blackouts happening in texas and kind of all over the country but particularly texas and folks are freezing but i in particular just want to draw attention to that kind of compounded with the changes in asylum that are happening um starting friday for those of you who don't know basically the trump administration put the former administration the trump administration put into place this uh, system called the Remain in Mexico policy, which forced folks uh, who are seeking asylum to wait in Mexico when prior to that they could, while they're waiting for their asylum case to be heard, they could wait on the US side. And so now, now in the Biden administration, they were going to start to let those folks who have been waiting for well, well over a year, some of them are now going to start coming in a pretty large, pretty like I don't know, <laughs> like relatively large numbers, um, which is a good thing that they are no longer forced to wait in Mexico, but it also just means that there's going to be an influx of need to support these people. So I just want to name an organization that means a lot to me. It's called Rio Grande Borderland Ministries. I've plugged it before on this podcast. They are supporting shelters in the borderland. Um, there are other organizations, just to name a few, um, Hope Border Institute, Annunciation House in El Paso. Las Americas, and there are many more. So I just encourage you to even just learning about what's going on, I think is huge. But if you want to donate, those are some organizations. This is going to be an ongoing humanitarian crisis. And I hope that you consider contributing any amount helps, but like there is a dire, dire need for money and resources. So please give if you are able. I realized we did the quote before the action item. Um, That's okay. Probably shout out to sense. the Mars Rover. Yeah, shout out. Mars Rover just got there. What um, a cutie. Perseverance. That's that's his name, right? Oh. I think that's I think that's right. 
If not, sorry, Mars Rover, if I misnamed you. Also, I, I want to talk about this at some point, but shout out to the Britney documentary. We need Free to talk about it. Britney. Free Britney. Yeah. What else? I've always been a fan uh, of her. Top four on The Bachelorette. I called them. I called the top four. I'm just saying. I really did. I didn't call it on this podcast, but I did call it. Um, so did Seamus. He is editing. We called it together. So just even some before pop culture things Michelle that are going there? on. No, no, no. Well, wait. No, no I was, thought no. no yeah. Since just in recent weeks, I've called this. Yeah, I mean, it's kind obvious. of hard to call I, on the first night. No, on the first night, I thought Sarah was going to go a really long way, and she would have if she hadn't left. Who? But I really was Sarah. Remember oh. the reporter <laughs> whose dad has ALS? I thought she was going to go so far. She um, would she have. Um, I think that was for the best, probably. We'll hopefully talk more about these pop culture shoes. Oh, um, I got a job, coming. guys. Yeah, also paid as a job. She's big famous. It starts March 1st. She's an employee queen. And we're still going to try and do the pod. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. Yeah, and if, Thanks, if you're listening and you want to come on the pod, hit us up. Message us. You wanna, you're, you're watching some, some movies, some TV shows that you're really into. You want to come talk about them? Come. Yeah. Hit us up. We also have a few ideas. We have some have a lot of guests that we're really excited about, but um, we can always use more. So, but we can also do non rom coms, Avi. Like, oh, we don't need to do rom coms. We've just been doing them, but we weren't doing rom coms before. Like, it's just been the past couple weeks. Yeah, I do want to do John Tucker Must Die. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. Promising Young Woman. I'm still trying. I'm still Gotta waiting on Nelly it. to do Midsummer with me. We'll see. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> This has been Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens. Bye.